0: Well, I'd like to have uh, Martin and Christine come on up, you two, as they're walking on up here. Um, uh, we need to know this is, come on up on the stage here, you're not going to, that's right, right up here. This is their last Sunday, and they are moving back to a place we all know so well, in Oklahoma, okay, and um, so they have been a part of our lives now for 10, 11 years, 10, yeah, and Christine has been working in finance, she's been on the worship team, been on the church board, Martin has been one of our greeters out there, just a good brother, and uh, they met here in this church, you got married, how long ago was it? six months ago six months ago a long time ago so. so we knew each other four years four years yeah so we would just want to you know wish them well pray blessing on them as they go to lot in oklahoma and pray that they would they would do something special there that they would be a blessing to that city and whatever church that are part of and god would continue his work in their lives so let's pray father we thank you for martin and christine and what you've done in their lives we thank you for bringing them together. We thank you for their lives here and how they've added to our lives. And God, we want to send them on with your blessing as they go to Lawton, Oklahoma, that you would prepare good friends for them to be a part of, a good strong church for them to contribute to. They'd be a blessing in that community, in their neighborhood, at Home Depot where Martin's going to be working, that you Take care of their finances, Lord, and you would continue your work in their life to conform them to your image. That uh, they would shine your light; that they'd be salt and light in that place. Again, we thank you, Lord, for the value, the gift of their lives to us, and uh, pray that that they would be that in this next chapter to the to the new group of people they're going to be with. And we pray it all in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Yeah. Well, it's always sad to say goodbye. That's always a hard thing, you know? But on the other end, somebody's going to be saying hello to them, and that's going to be good. So we do bless you as you're, as you're moving on. Um, you know, one of the keys to thriving and flourishing in life is hearing and obeying the voice. Hearing and obeying that voice. Um, we are in the middle of listening for the voice when it comes to our missions trip to Mindanao. Because of the uh, coronavirus, it's like uh, we're, we're altering that right now because we sense uh, God's doing something a little different. We're still going to do it, but it's like it's going to be a little different because we we got to listen to what he's saying and where he's directing. And Donna mentioned we have a, we're expanding our, our, our daycare to add a zero to two-year age group, and they'll be remodeling back in our nursery. And a lot of that came, it came because the church board was listening. God, we have this opportunity. Is this of you or is this just of us? Because we've had other groups ask to be a part of our, use our facilities. So this is the first one where where we've really said, okay, I think this is of God. Let's go with it. Listening to the voice is so critical. When uh, um, I was pastoring down in Southern California, I came to a place at the church I was before where I felt God was saying, Rick, it's time to move on. It's over. And, and because I was a pastor in that church, I was also part of a district board. And uh, and since I was no longer a pastor, I figured, well, I should no longer be a representative as a pastor on this district board. So I'm off the board. I'm not going to meetings or anything. But I'd been elected to go to a meeting in, in, in Indianapolis before I stepped down as pastor. So anyway, that, that meeting was coming up, and I, I told the guys, I said... I, I think I'm not going to go to Indianapolis because I'm not on this board. I'm not pastoring anywhere. I'm not representing anybody. You shouldn't be paying my air miles and my hotel and my food for me to go as as like a nobody, you know. And they said, no, no, Rick, just go ahead, go ahead. You know, you've been on this board. We want you to go. Your way's paid. Just go. So my whole way was paid, and you know, I get to cross this off my bucket list. I get to go to Indianapolis. Yay! Not really. Um, So I go to Indianapolis. And I'm just hanging around, you know. I don't have any responsibilities. Everything's free. And one day I'm walking down the sidewalk and I see an old friend. He's eating a burger. uh, And we were college buddies. And I sat down. We had a burger and fries. Started sharing our lives since college. All that's gone on. And lo and behold, this guy tells his former supervisor about me. And his former supervisor is the superintendent up here in Northern California. And he calls me when I get back. And he says, Rick... I know Jim talked to me about you, and I'm wondering if you'd like to come and interview at Santa Rosa. I'm like, sure. And so I came up here, interviewed. You know, long story short, I accepted. You guys voted me in. I accepted, moved my family up here to Northern California, and raised my kids here. And here we are. And in that time, uh, my, my youngest daughter, Molly, was eight years old. And Molly met a little boy named Peter, who was eight years old. And they were in Sunday school together, and they went to school together. They went to L.C. Allen High School together. They went to Point Loma Nazarene University together, and they got married. And they had a little boy named Levi, two years old, all because, get this, I went to Indianapolis. It's like that wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have been here if I hadn't followed the what I felt, you know, God's direction through those colleagues to go to Indianapolis to a meeting I shouldn't have been at. Isn't it amazing sometimes the direction, the course that your life takes? They think there's this little boy named Levi here now, he's in existence, who's an absolute delight because of this random meeting in in the Midwest? I mean that kind of stuff happens to people all the time. Where we end up making course corrections for various reasons, and it, it changes everything. You know, and think about your own life. Um, good moves and bad moves, all right? What prompted you to make the decisions that you've made? And where did those decisions take you? Um, marriage. You know, I read, a, I was reading a story, I actually know this couple, but they, they wrote a book on marriage. And I didn't know this, this about them. But anyway, the, the, the woman, it was years ago when they got married, she was uh, raised in a very wealthy family in San Francisco. And uh, she became a believer. Kind of, it was kind of like during the Jesus movement, you know, back in the 70s. She became a believer in this rich family in San Francisco. And she was, she was dating this guy who was like, uh, you know, uh, the golden boy. Drove a Ferrari, really handsome guy. And then she met this other guy, and he wasn't so impressive physically, but he was extraordinary on the inside. And he'd become a believer. So she has these two men in her life. she got golden Ferrari boy and extraordinary guy on the inside over here. And she says, in the book, she says one day she heard God tell her, if you marry the golden boy with the Ferrari, you're going to get divorced. And she ended the relationship. And she married the extraordinary man and they've had a great marriage and a great life and they have a great ministry together because she listened she listened to the voice when it came to marriage you think about job offers that you have which way are you going to take which one uh, sometimes the decision to eliminate something you know what's what's which one are you going to eliminate because you can't do everything for me back in college was it going to be tennis or piano and I was a lot better piano player than I was tennis player, it wasn't? But it was like I got to get rid of that. I got to cut that off my plate and change. You know, it altered my life. Getting rid. Of, and sometimes we have those decisions to get rid of stuff. You know, how do you prepare for your financial future? And how do you manage pain? How many, How are you going to do it in the right way? Managing pain. So often the difference between an abundant and flourishing life, and one that's shot through with misery, and and heartache is. Who did we listen to? The quality of our lives is the result of a series of decisions based on who or what we're listening to. The Lord Himself, as our shepherd, as it says in Psalm 23, is a shepherd who leads us beside the quiet waters. He makes us lie down in green pastures. That's a good image. We're safe, we're fed. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not, it's a non-anxious picture. He takes us through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, his leadership is so good. It's so good for us. Or do we listen to our own wishes, our own impulses, our own best guesses? And I, we've all been there. I mean, think back to the time, are you going to, you know, or maybe, you, are you going to listen to Jesus' leadership? Or are you just going to lead your own life? And I remember that very well in my life. I don't know if I want him to be in charge because I don't think he can do as good a job at leading me as I can do at leading me because I know what makes me happy and he is not going to make me happy. And we have to make that. But the Bible's very clear. Whoever, the one who knows how to give us the good life and the only one who can actually do it is Jesus. And so we need to listen to him. Well, there's a great story in uh, the book of Judges. I've been enjoying this, thinking about clueless times, you know, and the... The whole nation was really kind of in the dark, didn't know how to do life. And, and then these people popped up. We have these lessons that pop up that kind of help us because there's a lot of darkness today and people not knowing what to do. And so you go back to the book of Judges, you go, hey, that, that will help us. And so there is this period of time when this very um, amazing woman God raised up. And I'm going to read the story about her. Her name is Deborah. And I'll just read parts of this. I'm going to start in Judges chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and we'll jump around a little bit. Okay, so d- here we go. Judges 4, verse 1. Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harasheth Hagoim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Now, Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapideth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, not Obama, but Barak, son of Obinoam, from Kedesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Barak, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, Well, if you, if you go with me, I'll go. If you don't go with me, I, I won't go. Well, certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. This is a general talking like this. You've got to go with me, Deborah. can't do it alone. She said, but because of the course you're taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Now I'll go to verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go. This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. He just took off. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harashith Hagalim, and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Verse 23. On that day, God subdued Jabin king of Canaan before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin king of Canaan until they destroyed him. All right. So Deborah. I love, I love characters in the Bible. Just think of them. These are real people. And God raises these people, he does something through them, and they have so much to teach us. So here's Deborah, she's a prophet, which means that she heard from God and she spoke for God to the people. She knew what they should be doing, and what God said they should be doing was going to be good for them. It was going to be life-giving. All of Israel recognized that Deborah was tuned into God. They got, she has got this, she's on this wavelength with him. And she hears like nobody else in our country hears God speak. So when she speaks, we listen. Now, it showed up in two major ways. First of all, it showed up on a personal level, and then it showed up on the national level. The personal level was people had lots of disputes. And when you're in kind of a a nation that's not organized, you know, you don't have a court system, you know, local courts, federal courts, Supreme Court, you don't have all that stuff to decide people's disputes. You don't have Judge Judy, you know. And so what are you going to do? And so here's, here's, here's Judge Deborah. And she was like, her, her office, I love that, the Palm of Deborah. I wonder how they figured out that name. You know, that's where she worked, Deborah. She's at the palm tree. And it's like in the middle of the country. It's between Ramah and Bethel. And so you think about, it said people from all over came to have her settle their disputes. Now, how long does it take to walk to the middle of a country? You know, uh, 20 miles, is you're hoofing it one day, right? You go 20 miles in a day, you're walking pretty good. So people live more than, some live more than 20 miles away from that palm tree. Some live, you know, 35 miles or 40 miles, and then it's two days. And then you got it's two days back. So it's half a week, or sometimes a whole week, get to, just to have your dispute settled. You wonder, why would they go to all that trouble? To go to this woman to have her settle their disputes. And thinking, well, if you had a dispute with a neighbor, or with your family, over a, or a state problem, you know, if dad died and who's going to get the money? You have a dispute, you've got boundary markers out there, they've got property, but they don't have things lined up with the city. So their boundary line is a bunch of boulders and stones. And what if one neighbor sneaks out at night and he kind of moves the boulders over? And he makes his property bigger so he can have more land to farm, and he can have more food? You know, they're going to have disputes like that. They're going to have business disputes. And when you're in that kind of a dispute, it bugs you all the time. I mean, I've been in disputes with my neighbor and it just grinds, eats away at me. Every day, it's like I, I I want to get rid of this this problem this conflict. And so there's, these people are like, yeah, we got to take care of it. And so it was I I'm imagining this. It was worth all the trouble to go see Deborah to get the disputes taken care of. And when they came, and I'm thinking, you know, you know, you have a if you have two people in court, they both have a different side of the story. And how do you figure out who's right and what's the right thing to do? Well, I think this is what I believe because she's a prophet. That God would speak to her. And, and she would kind of sit there and listen. Hmm. She'd hear the first side, and I, oh, that sounds pretty good. And the second side, oh, that's. A... And God would kind of reveal to her, this is what's going on, and this is what needs to be done. And she would give her, her, her settlement, and they would accept it, and they'd go home, and things would be more peaceful. You know? So now, you, before there was Judge Judy, there was Judge Deborah, and she was not only a judge, she was like the Supreme Court. There was no appeals court. What Deborah sent went. She was tuned in to the voice. And it brought peace to people in business and in families. Beautiful thing to hear the voice. And then she also worked at a national level. So one day, Deborah received a directive from God on how to defeat the Canaanites, who depressed them for 20 years. Deborah told Barak general Barak, exactly what to do here's how many guys you need here's where you need to go and here's when you need i'm gonna when you go do that i'm gonna draw sisera to you in his chariots and then i'm gonna strike and what if you go to chapter five we get the song it's like a duet between barack and deborah and they're praising god for this wonderful victory and it's like what it tells us in chapter five is that like the rains came he drew him to a river that that when the rains came it, the, the river probably overflowed, and their chariots got stuck, and they had nowhere to go. And then the Israelites could come in and wipe them out. That's what probably happened. Okay, so she does. She tells Barak what to do, and uh, it's funny, you know. Like you said, Barak says, uh, "Well, okay, I'll do it, but only if you go with me, Deborah." And that's what happened. She was like the mother to Israel. I mean, when you when you hear from God, you are a security blanket. ...to other people. So General Barak did what Deborah told him to do... ...and Israel destroyed the Canaanites. It was a huge victory, especially when you think... ...20 years of oppression. If you and I were to live under 20 years of oppression... ...and somebody finally comes through... ...and breaks that oppression off... ...it would feel amazing. Okay? Now look at the outcome of hearing God's voice. Through a resounding victory... ...over a far superior military opponent... ...they threw off, again, 20 years of oppression... Also, Israeli lives were spared because they won that battle. Think of the Israeli sons that did not die because God was with them in that battle. They lived to be married, they lived to have kids and grandkids, all because they listened to the voice and won that battle. People experienced God's power, they saw it at work. We got set up, they've been living under oppression for 20 years. All of a sudden, Deborah tells them, No, we're going on the attack this time. They go on the attack. They go, How are we going to beat these guys? They got all these iron chariots. There's no way. And all of a sudden, God just grounds those chariots in a storm. And they so they saw the power of God in that storm. They also, worship happened. In chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, it says When the princes of Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord! Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. Worship happens. Confidence was restored. Chapter 5, verse 10 says, You who ride on white donkeys, sitting on your saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road, consider the voice of the singers at the watering places. They recite the victories of the Lord, the victories of his villagers in Israel. Can you just... Imagine being beaten down for 20 years. You're, you're like the, the, you're the 98 pound weakling being beaten up by the big bully, and all of a sudden you, you took him down. You're the, the weakling. and It's like now they're just talking about it. The confidence has come back. Their property was protected. Chapter 5, verse 19 says The kings came, they fought, the kings of Canaan fought at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no plunder of silver. And they they had strength and peace was restored to their lives. Verse 31. So may all your enemies perish, Lord. But may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. Then the land had peace for 40 years. Strength and peace came because they listened to the voice. Again, why did Israel Israel qualify? Why did their quality of life change so dramatically? Because they listened to one woman. One woman who heard the voice of God. And the people followed. I mean, that's really simple. If you just listen to the voice and follow, it's amazing how it impacts lives. Now, I, I don't know about you. This story motivates me to be a listener to God. I want to listen to that voice. There are things coming at us all the time about what should we do, what should we do, what should we do. I'm not sure what the way is. Well, how do we do it? How do you listen to the voice? Because that doesn't tell us in this story how Deborah listened to the voice. Everyone did wondered that? These prophets, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, how'd they listen to them? I mean, these are real people. So how did, I mean, were they sleeping at night and they had a vision? Were they just sitting eating lunch someday and all of a sudden these words started coming? Have you ever had like a phrase or a word go through your mind that you think, I think this is from God? Hmm. Maybe that's how it happens. I love, I was asking that question myself, myself that question once, and I was reading through Isaiah. And in Isaiah 50, Isaiah says, you awaken me morning by morning. You awaken my heart to listen like one being taught. So like Isaiah said, he wakes up in the morning. And he wakes up with his expectancy that God is going to teach him. He's going to show him things. So how do we just, okay, uh, we consider ourselves, you know, if you're a believer, just kind of every day, run of the mill. I'm just a sheep. How does a sheep hear the shepherd's voice? And so I want to give you some um, keys to hearing the voice of God. Because this is big. It really, it will change the course of your family. Really, I mean, we have a little boy in our family named Levi now because of it. I mean, he's flesh and blood. You, you can see him after you, if you want to after the service today. Okay? That's, remember, that's a consequence of the voice. Um, so how do, we, how do we do this? So let me give I'm going to give you six things, all right? And maybe you do one of them. I don't know. But here's six. Number one, do this. Stillness. Stillness. Read, read this with me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. And then be still and know that I am God. Now I want you to think about what's the difference between an unweaned child. Here, to Have a picture in your mind. An unweaned child and a weaned child. Well, an unweaned child, I learned learns to make noises so that it can get its needs met from mom it's hungry it makes noises okay a wean child has learned that mom is more than food mom can do other things and, and that weaned child doesn't have to make noises and that wean child can be still and wait without all of its desires being met right now it will wait that's the difference between an unweaned child and a wean child, so we need to learn to still ourselves to say, "Okay, I don't have what I want right now." But like a wean child, I can still myself and I can wait, and I will listen for him to come through because I really need to know what is to, what I'm supposed to do. I, my wife was actually in our in our home group this week, was sharing a story about this, and she was talking about a time when she was in a period of depression. And she said, I was stuck. I couldn't get out of it. And I didn't know what to do. And so she was with a couple of her friends, and they were praying. And she told them, I'm stuck in this dark cloud over my head. And they said, okay, well, let's pray. And they, instead of saying anything, they just sat in silence for 20 minutes. They said nothing. Shh. Now, that's going to be uncomfortable, right? That's that wean child. You're going to sit in the presence of God and say Nothing. And waited, and waited, and waited. And she said, at the end of 20 minutes, this word came to her from Isaiah, which says, a bruised reed I will not break, and a smoldering wick I will not snuff out. And that word from the prophet Isaiah broke her out of her depression. It was listening. It was the stillness. It's a really good approach. The second thing is, related. Really, a lot of these are related, but let's go to the second thing. It's another word, another picture in your mind. It's this, it's lean in. There's stillness and lean in. This is uh, taken, I want you to think of Mary and Martha. They were two sisters. They were really good friends with Jesus. They were his followers. And one day he's coming to their house and Martha's, you know, she's all busy, all busy busy she's like a type one personality fixing the food dusting the furniture vacuuming the floor doing all this stuff and she's like and Mary's sitting there like you know sitting at the feet of Jesus taking in every word and Martha's like would you tell my sister to get up and help me do you know how hard i'm working this is not right don't you know how many hands make light work and Jesus said Mary's doing the more important thing and the word for sit at the feet is the only time this word is used in the new testament And it's to lean in. Mary is leaning in to the words of Jesus. She just is like poised to hear everything that he has to say. Let's read this together. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So it's this picture of Mary just, what's he going to say? Have you ever been in a place where people really, really listened so much that you could hear a pin drop? Well I was with a group of pastors, pastors are not known for being good listeners. They're not known for talking a lot, but they're not always known for being good listeners. And I was with this group of pastors in the city that I came from, Lancaster, and we'd had some really good speakers come and speak, kind of high-powered guys, and really, really good. But one day we had this one guy that really was respected. And I knew I respected him, but when he came to speak, and that day our wives were invited to come and hear him speak, I've never seen a group of pastors so quiet. It's like they wanted to hear every word that was coming out of that man's mouth, and they didn't say a thing. There was no murmuring. There was no talking. It was just like, what's he going to say next? They're just processing everything. And that's kind of the idea. If We're going to listen to God. It's like, I'm going to lean in, and I'm going to take in everything he has to say to me. What is it? Stillness, like a weaned child. Lean in, like Mary at Jesus' feet. And then, let's go to hear, number three, God's word. Hear God's word. Read this with me. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. So we we need to remember that there's a lying voice out there that wants to lead us over a cliff. Okay, there's the devil. He doesn't want us to to lead us to green pastures. And he will speak to us, too. He will say things. How do I know that? Well, go back to the garden. Remember there was a serpent? What was he saying? He was talking to Eve. Did God really say? Did he really say that, Eve? Yeah, he was questioning the word of God. That's, That's how Satan sounds. He questions the authority of God's word. And what's here in the Bible. So how do we recognize the difference between the two voices? Well, the Bible will confirm what God tells you, while the devil will cause you to question God's word. God's word will lead you to deny yourself, while the devil's voice will urge you to follow all of your desires. God's voice will lead you to build up the church, while the devil will encourage you to plant seeds of dissension. God's voice produces humility, while Satan's voice produces arrogance and pride. God's voice exposes sin. The devil's voice excuses sin, explains it away. So hear the word of God so you you can distinguish the voice of God. And then another one. So we've got stillness, lean in, hear God's word. Fourth thing is to pray. And kind of listening prayer, so they're connected. This is Daniel. This is a really good, we don't do the whole story here, but let's read this together. He, Gabriel, instructed me and said to me, and as soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you. It's kind of interesting. In one of his prayer meetings, this is weird, this heavenly realm, what's going on? Gabriel, or one of the angels, got hung up in spiritual warfare over Persia with the Prince of Persia. There's a spiritual fight between a demon, a high-ranking demon, it sounds like, and a, and a high-ranking angel. It took him 21 days to get out of that battle till he could get to Daniel. Okay, so th- th- this... This angel is like, okay, I finally got here, Daniel. We heard your prayer. haven't heard your prayer as soon as you started. And here's the word I have to give you from God. So prayer is not just talking and asking God for stuff, but it's also listening to him. What is he saying? It's hearing his voice, receiving instruction, a word of encouragement, of comfort. So you can try praying um, alone or with a group. You can try a prayer walk. You don't have to have your eyes closed when you pray. You don't always have to be talking when you pray. You can ask a question and you can wait. Remember, our well-being depends on hearing what God has to say to us, as it did with Deborah in Israel. Here's a fifth way to hear the voice of God to recognize what He's doing: is read your circumstances. And this is the Apostle Paul. Remember, he's just launching out, trying to share the gospel all over the the, the, the Middle East, and but you're like, how does how, you know how does he know where to go? Right? How do you decide where you're going to go? Nobody's. The Jews have heard, heard, heard about Jesus, but you know people in Italy haven't heard, and people in England haven't heard, and people in China haven't heard. And which way do you go? Do you go west? Do you go east? Do you go west? What do you do? So let's read this. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. After Paul had seen a vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul and his ministry team were not allowed to go to a certain area. They started going there, and boom, the door closed. And then Paul has a vision, and he, and he has this vision of, of going to Macedonia instead. And so they conclude, okay, that's where God wants us to go. So it was circumstantial. We're doing the same thing. Uh, you know, it happened in, in my trip to Indianapolis. It was like I shouldn't have gone to that, but those guys said go. And so I did. It's uh, happening with Mindanao. We're changing direction because of what's going on in our world. It's looking at our circumstances. You know, um, that's a big thing. Watch what's going on. Watch what God is doing in your world to help you understand. And the last thing that I want to share with you is uh, listen to the church body. Listen to other believers to hear the voice of God. Let's go to this. Read. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us... Not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. So they took that message from the apostles as a word from God. You know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So anybody who's a follower, a believer, can hear the voice of God. Now, there are people in the body who seem to have a special pipeline like Deborah. And they hear the voice of God all the time. You know, and, and they're like Prophets. And you want to listen to people like that, but there's also just the rest of the body. And we need to be willing to say, you know, I think God is speaking through those people. Before I went up to take a job as I was a carpet cleaner in San Diego out of college. And I was doing terrible and I gave my, I gave my two weeks notice and said, I got I to make some money. I got to have a job or at least I'm guaranteed minimum wage. So I... I, I quit i resigned and uh, in that time that two-week period i was waiting for that job to end my old pastor from my old home church called and said rick i want to come and talk to you about the possibility so he drives down to san diego he says the church the choir wants you to come come and be the choir director and i was thinking i'd made these resolutions in my mind i am not going home and i'm not going to do music and that's what you're offering me. Go home and do music. But I didn't have a job, on the other hand. I was about to lose the job. You know, I quit. And so I had to decide, what am I going to do here? And since I was unsure, I talked to two people. I actually talked to my future father-in-law. And I talked to uh, another guy that I respected. And I said, here's the deal. Here's what's going on. What do you think I should do? And they both said, you should go. Go home. Go to Camarillo, take the job, and it was because of listening to those two guys that I did it. And I went home, I took the job, and one thing led to another, and I had no idea I was going to be on this track to becoming a pastor. But it started again with listening to two voices in the body saying, "Do this thing." Again, you got—we got to look at the look at the um, possibilities for our lives. You know, um, throwing off oppression and depression, like happened for my wife, for Donna. Think about a life of worship. When you're, when you're walking, hearing the voice of God, it puts a song in your heart. When you, and you're experiencing seeing God work around you, experiencing that. That's a powerful thing, too. And when you have, you're not getting ripped off anymore. You know, it's like for them, they weren't getting, their silver wasn't being taken like Deborah and Barack said in their song. They were hanging on to their stuff. And their strength was rising like the sun. And they had peace for 40 years. Why? Because they listened to the voice of God that came through Deborah, Deborah the prophet. And that's the same thing for us. I really want to encourage you. Uh, you know, Sometimes we don't, we don't listen because we don't believe the source of the voice is good. And so that's one of our barriers sometimes is saying, well, I, is, I'm going to switch to believing that God is good. And then I'll believe everything that he has to say to me. And so I want to pray. I want to pray with you this morning. And, and uh, we'll have, uh, I'm going to have Chris up here at the front. And if you're just saying, you know, I, I really want to accept Jesus' leadership today. I want to listen to his voice. Because he said, my sheep listen to my voice, and I give them eternal life. That's what I do. And, and if you, you say, I want that. I want to follow that direction. Listen, we have all these people scrambling for toilet paper all over Santa Rosa. <laughs> it's like, we don't know what's up. I mean, we're buying out water, we're buying out soap, all this stuff. It's just crazy in the stores. I mean, it's like, it's like we are just nuts. And Jesus, you know, I'm your shepherd. I came to give you eternal life. I'll take care of you. You don't have to live like that. That's just nutso. So there's that invitation. Follow the good shepherd who give you life. So let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful story about Deborah. This great woman who listened to your voice. And what you did because she listened to your voice. How you settled a lot of the family, business problems, neighborhood problems because she listened to you. And God, you, you set an entire nation free from oppression because they listened to the vo- her voice which she was listening to you. So Father, we... We just pray today that you'd help us to recognize that you're good. And where you want to take us is where life is peaceful and life is sane and it's not crazy. And where we're not anxious and worrying all the time. God, you want to give us eternal life? I mean, even if the worst case scenario happens and we were to come down with coronavirus and die. It would be a passageway into glory to the new heaven and the new earth. We believe that because Jesus, you rose from the dead, you conquered it. And everybody who trusts you is going to conquer death too. So, Father, just increase our faith in who you are and your good nature. That you're, Heaven is beautiful because you're there. That's what you do. Everything you touch turns to beauty. And when you touch our lives, it turns to beauty. So if you have yet to really say, Jesus, I'm in. I want to follow. I want that life. I want to invite you right now to receive him as your leader. To take, take, that, take that challenge. You can just pray with me from your heart. Jesus, you're the good shepherd. You came and you laid your life down for me so that you could wipe away all of my sins and offenses. And bring me back to the Father to experience abundant life and eternal life with you. To have peace and purpose and hope and joy. I receive you now, Jesus, into my life. Be my Savior. Be my leader. I trust you. Help me to follow. And give me that assurance that I'm yours. Just keep your heads bowed. If you just prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand real quick? Anybody pray that prayer this morning? Okay. All right. And I want to invite you, if you, if you did that, just come up and see Chris. She's got some next steps for you to take um, as we dismiss here. So, Lord, go, go with us. Um, as I think of this coronavirus, that word corona means crown. And right now, our world is crowned in, in fear and anxiety. It's crowned with upset and upheaval. But Jesus, we want this world and this city to be crowned with your presence that will drive those things away. We pray that your name would become more and more famous and they would pick up the crown that gives life and not the one that gives anxiety. Jesus, make your name famous. We do pray, again, that you'd be with the, the researchers as they, that they would find a cure. And that you would protect us all from the pestilence and the terror of night. Help us to rest in your arms, knowing that no matter what happens, ultimately, we are. it is well with our soul because we're with you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you and be with you.